I didn't want that song to end. It was like, wow. Thank you, worship team. What a difference a day makes. It was only one day, an ordinary spring day in other parts of the world. Just one day. But what a difference a day makes. End an era, begin an era. In the lives of Jesus' followers, it was epic. They were destroyed, distraught, distrustful, and devastated. They had left everything for this man. It wasn't like working tirelessly for three years on a political campaign and then losing, or fighting for your commanding officer in a military campaign. This, this was different. He saved your life. He was going to save your country. He was supposed to save the world. What a difference a day makes. He was dead. But what a difference a day makes. There was another man. His name was Saul. Saul was a religious fanatic. He never actually met this new prophet and teacher. He had watched from a distance. All he knew was that this man threatened the entire religious establishment, maybe their entire nation. He zealously tried to stamp out this new religious sect, going to great lengths to find, arrest, and imprison these radical Jews. On one such journey, he met the founder of this sect, except he was supposed to be dead. What a difference a day makes. That day Saul met the risen Jesus and was radically changed. He even changed his name from Saul to Paul. What a difference a day makes. Saul changed from being the chief opponent to the leading proponent of Jesus. Dr. Luke records this man Paul in an encounter years later in the city of Athens. And this is what conclusions he had come to. He says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. The resurrection. Then they took him and brought him into a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to all the greatest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. 
So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. If we look at our culture today, we find that there are a lot of people that are religious and they do all kinds of things. They worship different gods, but the one unique character quality has to do with the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. What a difference a day makes. The resurrection, just one day. A man named Paul spoke those words. You may ask, where was Paul on that day? As Saul, he was probably part of the mob screaming, crucify him. And on the day of the resurrection, he didn't see Jesus. He didn't believe it. It wasn't until later that he met Jesus on this journey to Damascus on his way to stamp out this heretical new religion called the way. And what a difference that day made. His day was different than yours and mine. Jesus appeared to Paul uniquely in a different time and place. He encountered the risen Jesus. Later on, Paul wrote a, an epistle, a letter. He wrote a lot of letters. Most of the New Testament was authored by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote one, and I want to just take a few minutes to look at part of this passage of 1 Corinthians that he wrote to this church in Corinth. It's made up of people just like you and me. People struggling with the, the, with the ups and downs, living a, a moral life in an immoral society, living in all the challenges that, that we see today. And he wanted them to know one thing for certain about what a difference a day can make. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, by which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all apostles, and here it comes. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. Paul's encounter with Jesus was unique. And as a result of him meeting Jesus, his life was transformed. And this passage declares the meaning of that day. It's what a difference a day makes. And the question is, have you had an encounter like that? Have you met the living Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who does Paul say he is? Who does he say he is? Who is this Man, Jesus, this God. First of all, Jesus is first a God of love. A God of love. It says Christ died for our sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of wrong things in my life. Okay? And I have to admit that because my wife is here and my oldest daughter's here. I just might as well just admit it. I've done some wrong things in my life. And the Bible calls them sins. I'm no different than you. The Bible says all of us have sinned. It says everybody's fallen short. Everybody has sinned. We're all in the same boat. Now, if you were driving to church today and you drove 75 miles an hour on Claremont Avenue, I hope you didn't, but if you did, an Eau Claire police officer could stop you for speeding because that's a violation of the law. And the penalty, it'd probably be a fine. It'd be a fine. If we break the law, somebody has to pay the penalty. In the same way, all of us, we sinned. Okay, we broke God's law. And someone has to pay the fine, the penalty, because God is just. He doesn't just let this go. There has to be justice. But because God is a God of love, he sent Jesus to pay for our crimes. Jesus came to pay for our crimes. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, or while we were still breaking the law, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. While we were still guilty, Jesus died. He didn't say, come and get your act together and and become perfect and and do everything right, and then I'll, I'll relate to you. No, he said, while you were still breaking the law, he said, he died for you. While we were guilty. And Jesus said, for the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He wanted to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. That means our God is a, is a God of love. It's a God of love. And we can't earn love. We can't be educated into love. Love cannot be reduced to mathematics or physics or electronics or biology or technology. We cannot achieve that level of love. We cannot find love and pleasure of any kind. That love only comes through the one true God demonstrated to us by Jesus Christ. 
Who is this man? Jesus, a God of love. Have you met him? Have you had that day? Our God Jesus is also a God of promise. A God of promise. It says Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Have you ever made a promise to someone? We, make, we seem to make promises all the time. Maybe it's a, a spouse saying, I, I'll never do it again, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never do it again. We make a promise. Or, or we promise our child that I'll be there at your game or I'll be there for your concert or dance recital or your award ceremony. We make promises. And then, have you ever forgotten that you promised? We're human. Promise, promise has to do with trust, credibility, and faith. If I make a promise, I'm giving my word. And it's very important that my God, your God, be a God of his word. And our God is. Literally hundreds of promises were given to the Hebrew people of, of a coming Messiah who would save them to deliver them and heal them. And what a difference that day would make. Jesus said in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Centuries before, God had promised he would send somebody for this very purpose. God has always been a God of promise, a seeking God, seeking to restore relationship with his people. And Jesus said today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. God promised and God came through. Jesus promised to bring wholeness to broken people. Anybody here broken? Anybody this morning broken? We are broken people. Look around, we see a lot of people that are broken. If you are, have you met this Jesus? Third, our God is a, Jesus is a God of power. And a God of power. He says that he was raised according to the scriptures and he appeared to Peter, then to the 12, and after that appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Amazing. This was not a spiritual resurrection. This was not a resurrection of ideas. Some would claim, yes, Jesus lives on in spirit. Any, any old God can live on in spirit. Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius. But if a God predicted his own death, and Jesus did, and claimed to be God, and Jesus did, predicted his own resurrection in exactly three days, and Jesus did, he's got to be a God of power. He had power. And either Jesus was who he said he was, or he was a, a liar, perpetuating a hoax, or a lunatic, crazy, because he claimed to be God. See, our God, Jesus, is a God of unlimited power. Unlimited power. The one that Paul wrote about, talking in the Areopagus, we sang about it in So Will I in the song. Power to raise the dead, power to transform lives, power to heal the sick, power to give sight to the blind, power to heal broken lives, power to change lives, power to change our world. Have you met this Jesus? What a difference that day 
would make. Fourthly, our God, Jesus, is a God of grace and forgiveness. A God of grace and forgiveness. Paul talks a little bit about his background in this passage. He said, last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Wow. The person writing this, Paul, was a, was a terrible guy. He was a sinner by his own admission. You know, some, some people just, just ignore God, live a life of passive indifference. He's irrelevant. You know, I'm, I'm living my life. God can do his thing. I'm, I'm just passive. And that may be you. Others actively fight God. They're, they live in active rebellion. That was Paul. I mean, he, was, he really went after the, this, this sect called the way. He was fighting. He was a fighter. Paul persecuted the church. He had followers of Jesus arrested and stood by while they were executed for their faith. Paul did not deserve forgiveness and grace. But he had an encounter with Jesus, the God of forgiveness and grace. And that encounter changed Paul forever. What a difference a day makes. Paul says, I don't deserve God, I don't deserve forgiveness, I was too bad, but God forgave me. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, I don't, I don't deserve God? I don't deserve forgiveness. If you only knew where I've been or what I've done. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. God's grace produced transformation. Forgiveness. God forgave Paul and God forgives us. All other religions make us strive, work harder, earn and try harder. And we never know if we've done enough to please those gods. It's only Jesus, our God, is a God of love and promise and power and grace and forgiveness. Have you experienced Jesus' forgiveness? You can. Have you met this Jesus? What a difference a day makes. And finally, Jesus is a God of future hope. He's a God of future hope. In order for there to be a resurrection, there first of all had to be death. We don't like to talk about death, but death is a fact of life. It's a fact of life. A study commissioned by the National Institutes of Health discovered that the mortality rate for American males was, get this, 100%. What? And the mortality rate for American females was also 100%. Death is part of life. But our God is a God of future hope. The hope that he has. Jesus came, lived, and died, and rose again. The question is, if we live forever, which we will, where are we going to live? Several years ago, I attended a conference in Louisville, Kentucky. And on the 40-minute flight from Louisville to Cincinnati, where I was going to transfer a plane, I sat next to a man named Sanjav, 
an orthopedic surgeon, an immigrant from India. Most people from other countries are very open to having a conversation about just a wide range of topics. And after asking Sanjav about his occupation, his background, his family, his journey to the United States, I asked him what religion he practiced. He said he was a Hindu. So I said to Sanjav, you know, I've studied comparative religions, but I prefer to hear directly from people who practice their religion. As a Hindu, what is it that you believe and practice? Sanjav became very animated and engaging as he talked about his beliefs. And he, he shared with me about his three major tenets of his religion. His children were enrolled in a religious parochial school, and I asked him if that presented any conflicts or challenges. His answer was, no, he said, all religions are pretty much the same. We are a bilingual family. I guess we also practice bi-religion. He further expanded his beliefs, talking about the life cycle. I found this fascinating. He said, this is how I view the life cycle. He said, hypothetically, let's say we have a life of 100 years. He said, I would divide that life into four parts. He said, the first quarter, the first 25 years, are preparation or training. The second quarter, 25 years, are marriage, family, occupation, and accumulation. The third quarter, the third 25 years, are trying to wean oneself from materialism. I said, that's easy, I've got two kids in college. <laughs> then he said, the final quarter of the 25 years is preparation for the beyond. So I asked him, after that, what then? What happens? Well, Sanjav answered, he said, well, that's controversial. I believe if you have been good and practiced your religion, you can earn the right to come back again. Reincarnation. So I asked him, what if you're not good enough? Sanjav kind of frowned a little bit and he said, well, there are two tracks, one for good and one for bad. He said, don't you Christians have something like that? Heaven and, and I said, yes, heaven and hell. I said, how do you know where you're going? He said, you can't know, you hope. I said, that's where Christianity differs from all other religions. We believe you can know. I explained the difference between every other religion and Christianity. All other religions can be described in the word do. It's about trying to do enough good things to please God. The problem is we never know when we've done enough. In fact, the Bible says we can never do enough because we all fall short. Christianity is described by the word done. Done, D-O-N-E. Jesus did what we could never do. He lived the perfect life we could not. He died on the cross to pay for our wrongdoings. Do is trying to appease God, never knowing if we've done enough. Done, Christianity, is that Jesus died to pay the price and we receive the gift he offers us. Sanjav was right with me and he said, so if you receive the gift, it doesn't matter what you do? And I said, no. When we receive the gift of Jesus, our nature is changed. The Bible says it's being born again. So it is our nature to do good deeds. We don't earn God's favor by good deeds. God's Holy Spirit changes us so that as a result, 
we do good deeds. Good deeds are not the cause of our salvation. Good deeds are the result of our salvation. And then I quoted 1 John 5, 11 to 13. I said, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son, Jesus, has life. He who does not have the son of God, Jesus, does not have the life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Sanjav said, I guess there's a big difference between all other religions and Christianity. And I said, yes. We have a guarantee. What a difference a day makes. What brings that guarantee to us? The resurrection. The resurrection. Have you met this Jesus? Can you say there was a time in your life that you met Jesus? The Bible says that we are to believe in Jesus and place our trust in him. We're separated from God. Jesus came to live and died for our sins to restore that relationship with God and we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus raised, that God raised him from the dead. We will be saved. Believing that his death paid for my shortcomings, accept that gift and believe that Jesus was a resurrection from the dead. God is a God of love and wants to restore spiritually seeking people to that relationship. And to believe in Jesus means to acknowledge I'm a sinner, I cannot save myself, and to place my trust in Jesus, accepting his sacrifice as a free gift. Making Jesus the leader in charge of my life. If you do that, you too can have that same eternal life guaranteed, all possible, because of Jesus' resurrection. Have you met Jesus? What a difference a day makes. Let's pray, shall we? If you're here this morning and you've never made that step, you've never met Jesus, he's wanting to meet you and you can do so in a very simple way by just praying and saying Lord Jesus I need you forgive my sins come into my life and make me the person you want me to be I believe that you died for my sins and I believe you are resurrected change my life and bring that life to me that can happen to you right now if you pray that prayer And if anybody's here and they prayed that prayer and they want to pray that prayer, every head is bowed. Would you just slip your hand up real quick and put it right back down? Anybody? Up in the balcony on the main floor. Wanted to make sure we have an opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that we have the opportunity to meet you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you 
would speak to our hearts today about that love that you have that was demonstrated by your death and the new life from your resurrection. And I pray that if there's anybody here that hasn't yet met Jesus and been changed by you, that they would do that today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.